0: Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Answers from the Lab, where we share Mayo Clinic knowledge and advancements on the state of testing and science from laboratory leaders and the people who are making it happen behind the scenes. I'm Dr. Bobby Pritt, your host, and the clinical microbiologist and the chair of the Division of Clinical Microbiology at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. For today's episode, we welcome Ben Levno from our product management team at Mayo Clinic Laboratories for a test and focus interview. Well, thanks for the introduction today, Dr. Pritt. I'm joined today by Dr. Sean Pittick from our Neuroimmunology Lab. He's the director of the lab, and we'll be talking today about a new test that we're going to launch for MA2 antibodies. Dr. Pittick, thanks for joining us. Can you provide our listeners with a little bit of background on your role and position here at Mayo?
1: Thanks very much, Ben. Yeah, well, I've been uh, working in the Neuroimmunology Laboratory now for 20 years co-directing it with Dr. McCone and Dr. Mills. We've got a great team here. We've got about nearly seven autoimmune neurologists working in the lab, developing new tests and trying to really bring a novel kind of Mayo Clinic approach to this complex field of autoimmune neurology. So I've been involved in discovery of novel biomarkers, some of the ones that many of your listeners will know about, water channel antibody, the MAP1B antibody, the Kelsch 11 antibody. So I've been very lucky to work with some great people over the years in in these discoveries. And then I also uh, direct the Center for MS and Autoimmune with my colleague, Dr. Howe. And uh, we're very focused on, again, advancing not only biomarkers discovery, but also the treatments uh, for these diseases. And we've led some very important phase three trials in some of these autoimmune neurological disorders. So I have my hand in a few different pots, but again, it's all part of the learning process and and it's great to be here.
0: Well, great. Thanks, Dr. Piddick. What I love about these interviews is that just highlighting for our listeners that Dr. Piddick, you're seeing patients but you're also working in the lab. So really the tests that we create are the ones that you identify are a gap and a
1: need. And Matu is certainly an example of that. Would you agree? Absolutely. I mean, the whole development of this presentation-specific evaluations comes from uh, our experience in seeing patients and really trying to think practically how to uh, improve the uh, laboratory role in the workup and evaluation of these patients. Perfect. That's a great segue
0: into our first question here, Dr. Piddick. As we think about ma 2 can you just give a little bit of an overview of the disease state? What kinds of patients are these and really the complexities that you alluded to?
1: Yeah, so ma 2 is a target antigen, PNMA2, and it is expressed in a variety of different tumors and patients develop an immune response to those tumors. Unfortunately, the the protein is also expressed in brain cells and nervous system cells, and so the immune system, unfortunately, as it is attacking the target protein in the tumor cells, unfortunately, sometimes can be misdirected and head up to the brain and cause a significant amount of damage. So we see patients who come in with subacute onset, that means the onset comes on over a period of days, whereby they may have seizures, uh, difficulty with memory, abnormal behaviors. Uh, Some may have quite rapidly progressive difficulty with walking, imbalance, double vision. Sometimes these conditions can affect unusual parts of the brain, like the hypothalamus, where patients sometimes can develop very unusual sleep disorders, where they can become very hypersomnolent, very sleepy. It's a very unusual uh, entity, but it's been around for some time. And so what we've developed is we've developed a method of detecting these antibodies. And if you do detect these antibodies, it has significant implications for patients. Interestingly, most patients with these antibodies and this paraneoplastic neurological disorder, in other words, the condition is initiated by a tumor, most of the patients develop the neurological symptoms before the tumor is identified. And that's actually in about 70 to 75% of cases.
0: Sounds like a really important antibody for patient care. So I'm excited about this test and clinically actionable. That was the word that I was gonna use as well. And you mentioned that you're on the forefront. We at Mayo Clinic are on the forefront of discovering antibodies, but this one has been around for a while. So, what has the process looked like for Mayo Clinic Labs as we it, it's taken a long time, the way I understand it, to develop this test? Maybe talk about what makes the testing so complex. It, it, it's different than some of our other antibodies. Is that right?
1: Yes, well, unfortunately, many of the antibodies that we currently report out, we identify them initially by their staining pattern on mouse brain tissue called indirect immunofluorescence. That's how we discovered 90% of the antibodies that we've discovered here at the Mayo Clinic. And then if we see the pattern, we reflex that into a confirmatory test. It could be a cell-based assay. It could be a ELISA, It could be an immunoblot assay. The problem with the MAT2 is that it's really very difficult to see on tissue. So you really can't use indirect immunofluorescence to really detect that antibody, kind of similar to KELCH 11 that recently discovered antibody here in our lab. And so what we've done is we've developed, uh, working with our team here, ELISA approach, and we found uh, really, really good results in terms of specificity. In other words, the only patients that we've detected after we screened many hundred, the only patients we detected that had the antibody had the disease. And so that's a a good sign. As I mentioned, if a patient has a subacute onset of, you know, a problem affecting their limbic system in the brain or a problem affecting the brainstem or their cerebellum, they undergo this testing. And if they're found to be positive for the MAT2 antibody, then in a man, in about 70% of the time, it indicates that we're going to find a testicular germ cell tumour. And actually sometimes that tumour may not be in the testicle, it may be actually in the mediastinum. And then about 10% of time we might find a lung malignancy. And then there's other malignancies that are less common we will find in men with that mat 2 antibody. In women, it's a little bit more uh, complex. The likelihood of finding tumors in women is, again, quite high, certainly greater than 80%. But the types of tumors are different. So we're more likely going to see lung cancer, breast cancer, GI cancers, and sometimes lymphomas and other less common cancers.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. I want to get more into that impact on patient care in a little bit. But going back to the assay itself, Dr. Piddick, you mentioned it's going to be in ELISA, How about specimen types, CSF versus serum? Is there anything else that our listeners should know about kind of the assay itself?
1: Yes. uh, Well, the actual assay works for both, for both blood and for spinal fluid. And as you know, uh, though we're going to initially be offering this test as a standalone test, it will become incorporated into our comprehensive autoimmune and paraneoplastic encephalopathy or encephalitis evaluations, as well as our autoimmune and paraneoplastic movement disorder evaluations. And as you know, we've talked about this a lot, when patients present with these neurological presentations and the physicians are concerned about a possible paraneoplastic or autoimmune etiology, they really need to order the testing in both serum and in spinal fluid. So we haven't really compared the sensitivity of CSF versus serum but I think submission and evaluation of both samples would be most appropriate. Great.
0: Dr. Peeta, I just want to recap for myself and for our listeners. So you mentioned that very challenging pattern on tissue immunofluorescence. So we have moved to an ELISA methodology, which is better able to detect this particular antibody. You mentioned that uh, CSF and serum, neither one really has an advantage. You really need to send both samples. And then lastly, you said that this is going to be introduced as a standalone. So our listeners really need to understand that, that when they think a movement disorder patient and they order a movement disorder evaluation, they'll have to order MAT2 as a standalone or same thing with encephalopathy. But eventually, this antibody will go into both of those evaluations. Is that a good summary?
1: That's absolutely uh, dead on, Ben. You're right. At the moment, the lack of the MAT2 antibody in our comprehensive evaluations is problematic. So once you order the testing, always remember to to order the Ma two as a standalone. Eventually, it'll enter into the comprehensive evaluation, and when it does, that comprehensive evaluation will be the most comprehensive neural autoantibody testing evaluation that's available worldwide. Yeah, really excited for that. Let's go back to
0: your discussion about patients. You mentioned the Cancer Association, maybe. Can you just review for males and females? Is it 80%, greater than 80% of patients have a cancer? Is that right?
1: Yeah, that's about right, uh, Ben. Obviously, as I said, the cancer types are slightly different whether you're a male or a female. But uh, in males, obviously, you know, the evaluation in the context of a positive test result really helps the physician because it's directing the physician as to where they should look. Because for example, sometimes we will miss certain types of cancer if we don't use the appropriate test. So, pet scan of the body is something we've talked about, is something we commonly do when we see one of these paraneoplastic antibody biomarkers. But pet scan is probably not the best test to do if you're looking for testicular cancer. In that case, you probably want to do a, you know, a scrotal ultrasound. Again, we're in a situation where the antibodies are help directing the physician's search for that specific cancer, because the antibodies, remember, are more biomarkers of a specific cancer, even than they are of a neurological symptom or syndrome.
0: Great, Dr. Piddick. Yes, yeah, so important to you know guide physicians. Let's take a step back, and you've mentioned this briefly already, but the types of patients that this testing should be ordered for, what are we looking for? When are you, when are you highly suspecting, hey, MATU needs to be evaluated.
1: Yeah. So again, we think about the neurological presentations. What are the neurological presentations or what's the phenotype of patients that have paraneoplastic ma 2 disease? For example, in men, we commonly see this in the context of limbic encephalitis. So patients can actually look like patients that have the HU antibody-positive limbic encephalitis and even some of the cell surface antibody-mediated encephalitides, like GABA-B receptor encephalitis or AMPA receptor encephalitis. So the patients can come in with changes in behavior, uh, memory difficulties, seizures, And a variety of other uh, potential findings and when you do the imaging they often will have very swollen inflamed temporal lobes on their mri scans and they'll have an inflammatory spinal fluid and so in that situation you're going to go and you're going to treat the patient with aggressive therapy because we think these diseases are t-cell mediated so we've really got to hit the immune system hard and it's really important to get the patients early If you wait or you delay getting this diagnosis, the patients will not get better. And in fact, they will have significant disability as they get older. And then obviously in addition to treating aggressively to try and suppress that immune attack of the brain, we strongly recommend looking for the malignancy, the tumor. And as I said, in men, it's 80% of the time, it's going to be a germ cell tumor, a testicular tumor. And the same goes for women. Other phenotypes that maybe are a little bit more common in women would be presentations of brainstem or cerebellar encephalitis. And then more rare, we see the involvement of the diencephalon with sleep disorders, problems with sodium, uh, in other words, low sodium hyponatremia, and again, in women, you know, you really want to look for lung cancer. So if a patient is a heavy smoker, you really want to kind of look at the lung, do a CT chest or a PET scan of the body. A mammogram, if you're suspect of breast cancer, if the patient's found a lump or there's a strong family history of breast malignancy and so on and so forth. Uh, gastrointestinal cancers also can be seen in the context of math too. You know when you find the antibody, you have a good sense of what the pathogenic mechanisms are, and so you know what to target. In general, we tend to use high-dose steroids and chemotherapy like cytoxin to really hit the bone marrow and try to reduce those cytotoxic T cells from killing the nervous system, and again then to use that antibody to direct your cancer search.
0: Great. Thanks, Dr. Piddick. You know, We talked about the impact it has on diagnosis, prognosis, and treatment. I'd be remiss if I didn't just emphasize that your team recently published a paper about the dangers of misdiagnosis and how a critical patient, part of the patient presentation is that rapid onset, right? Is that seen in these MA2 patients as well?
1: Yes. Generally, they're subacute onset. So that's absolutely right. So a patient is essentially normal. They're in their 40s, 50s, 60s. And they then over a period of days or sometimes about a week develop seizures, memory problems, confusional disorders and sleep disorders. And so you're really thinking, well, what could this be? And uh, these kind of conditions are generally different to how a neurodegenerative disorder presents. So you're really thinking that if there's any condition that can cause these symptoms that I can treat and potentially make better and also not miss something serious like a malignancy, You don't want to miss these conditions. And so they're high on the differential diagnosis in those clinical contexts. Then the next step is to say, okay, this patient is, for example, presenting with an encephalitis. And as we know, there are many biomarkers of autoimmune and paraneoplastic encephalitis. And it's not possible sometimes to define which biomarker because the clinical presentations can look so similar. So that's why it's important to incorporate the MAT2 antibody test into that comprehensive evaluation so that the physician who may not have read a paper on autoimmune neurology or paraneoplastic neurology for five or 10 years doesn't have to worry that they're missing something. They know that when they order the test, they're getting what they want. So number one, make sure that when you order any of the presentation-specific evaluations, if you're thinking about a limbic encephalitis or a brainstem or cerebellar disease or a diencephalic disease, make sure to order the standalone MAT2 antibody. And once the antibody test is added into the comprehensive profile, then you don't need to worry about that because it's already incorporated into the profile. And that's how I would recommend we go forward.
0: Perfect, Dr. Pitik. I think the only question on test utilization is just whether there's any other testing that should be ordered in conjunction with this test to maybe improve pretest probability. Just wonder if there's anything else that comes along with, besides our autoimmune evaluation.
1: Well, you know, there's a lot of things. Obviously, taking a good history from your patient, doing a neurological examination, and defining that you're dealing with a subacute onset of a condition that's affecting these parts of the brain. Imaging. So if you do an MRI scan when the patient comes in with the symptoms and you see the patient has imaging findings that are typical of anti-MA2 encephalitis. So, for example, if there's swelling of the limbic areas or there's signal abnormality in the brainstem, or there's a large area of inflammation in the diencephalon in the hypothalamic area, then MA2 goes high on the list in terms of your differential diagnosis. And so those types of things can help. Obviously, having an inflammatory spinal fluid, that tells you that this is probably an immune-mediated disorder. And then other things can help you in terms of your pretest probability, Ben. So, for example, things like the patient is a heavy smoker. The patient recently noticed a lump in their scrotum. The patient has a very strong family history of breast cancer. Those types of situations will also increase your pretest probability.
0: Great. MRI, clinical assessment, family history. I think those are all great tips. Inflamed, white blood cell count. I think the last two questions I have for you here, Dr. Piddick, are just, can you emphasize in any other way the impact that this has on patient care? You talked about how important an early aggressive treatment is. Is there anything else you want to say on that subject?
1: Yeah. The unfortunate reality for many patients is that these uh, diseases, which are treatable and reversible, are often uh, an afterthought. They're late in the differential diagnosis, and they need to be early, because making the diagnosis early with rapid action, in other words, rapid initiation of high-dose IV methylprednisolone and in the context of cytotoxic T-cell-mediated diseases, rapid initiation of aggressive T-cell immunosuppression can make a huge difference for patients. And that difference is the difference between being able to create memories, being able to keep down your job, being able to keep your family together. These are major, major issues for patients. And unfortunately, many of the patients that I see, the boat has left the dock by the time that they get in to see me. If three or four months have passed, there's nothing to protect, there's nothing to save because the cells in the nervous system that express the mat 2 protein have been essentially killed or irreversibly injured.
0: Well, this is a big step forward in our ability to help physicians with awareness of this testing, a validated assay through Mayo Clinic Laboratory. So thanks for your efforts to join us today, I guess, and, and promote this message. Is there anything else that you'd
1: like to say? What are you most excited about about this new test launch, Dr. Pittick? Well, I mean, for me, this is just a part and parcel of the continued objective of our lab, which is to be able to offer the most comprehensive, up-to-date, high-quality testing. And this is just a small piece of that puzzle, because each piece essentially allows the whole to be so clinically helpful.
0: Perfect summary, Dr. Piddick. Thanks again for your efforts, and thanks to the listeners. We look forward to what's next from the Nerminology Lab. Thanks, Dr. Pittick